And I remember reading a blog about somebody who ate only Twinkies uh, just to prove that you can lose weight eating whatever you want as long as you eat less calories than your body burns and did it for a month or something where they ate literally only Twinkies every day, uh, but still were able to lose like 15 or 20 pounds because they were still below their budget, like you said. So that was not what I was expecting when I asked you unconventional use cases for LLMs, but I love it. <laughs> but I have to say, just to bring it back to topic, yes. this is so similar to when people ask uh, a question that everyone has, cloud scalable systems is, how do I keep costs down? Right. Yeah. I need to keep eating. Like, yes, do you want to uh, spend zero on a snowflake? Just stop using it. It's so easy. <laughs> do you want to lose weight? Just stop eating. Oh, easily. But no, I I eat because it brings a lot of benefits to me. I stay alive. Yep. I still need to be aware of the budget. And then when I have a budget, I start making choices. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Coalesce, a monthly podcast about all things data and the trends and technology transforming our industry. I'm Armand Petrosian, CEO of Coalesce, and here with me is my co-founder and CTO, Satish Jayanti. Together, we'll be your host for the next hour. What's up, Felipe, Satish? How you guys doing? Good morning, Satish. Good morning, Amand. Hey, good morning. Uh, very excited for today's show. Usually it takes a little bit for people to trickle in. And I would imagine we're going to have quite the global audience. We typically do. People from all over the place. While we're waiting for them to come through. Felipe, are you going to do it? You, you mentioned you're going to go to Japan on Monday. That's yes. one of my favorite countries. Top five by far. I've been to maybe almost 40 countries at this point in my life. Are you going to do anything fun when you're not working, what, what's your plan out there? Do you have anything planned? Yeah, so I'm not a planner, but I have. <laughs> I'm going to Japan for work. I'm going to land there on Monday, do my best to uh, be able to sleep so I can wake up on Tuesday and start doing the whole thing. But yeah, I love Japan. Uh, I've been there many times in my for my previous job. It's my first time there for Snowflake, so I'm really excited to meet this new community. Awesome. Then I have a weekend there, then I have doing a meetup on Monday. And then instead of coming back to California, I'm going to spend a lot of time in Asia for the end of the year. That's oh. where the big plans come. Yes. That's awesome. I'll have to catch up with you about that. I used to live there. I lived in China for a year, believe it or not. So. We'll be very curious to hear what that's like. Speaking of which, as people come in, if you have any questions for Felipe right off the bat, hit us in the chat. Also, let us know where you're tuning in from. It's always fun to see where the audience is at. We, we had over 500 people that were geared up to tune into this this morning or evening, wherever you're at. Um, so while we get started, uh, why don't you two introduce yourself? Felipe, you're the guest. I hear this is uh, common for you to be interviewing others or you hosting your own LinkedIn Live. How does it feel to be to have the tables turned and now being interviewed? Uh, and also, give us a quick background on yourself. For sure. So uh, I love both jobs, being the host and being the guest. Uh, <laughs> being the host means it's my responsibility to make this interesting for people, but being the guest means, oh my God, I need to be interesting. I need to say something that 
worth uh, the audience time. So it's shared responsibility. So let's make it cool. Oh, I see people are yeah. connected. There you go. Um, New York City. I'm sure more and more will continue to trick down, trickle down. Hey, Eric. Hey, Jan. Uh, I, yes, I need to forget about doing the hosting now. It's yes, I'll make it easy for you. Yes, and background wise, I'm a developer advocate for Snowflake. I've been here for three years, it's been an amazing place to be at for the last three years. And before that, I became relevant in the data world thanks to Google. I was there like for almost 10 years, where the last eight. I was a developer advocate for BigQuery. Nice. I learned all I had to learn, and that gave me the tools to join Snowflake when it was the right time to join the data cloud. Amazing. I got plenty more questions there, especially on your background, where you're at, what attracted you. Satish, you want to do a quick intro? Sure. Um, Satish Jayanti, co-founder, CTO. Um, you know, I come originally when I started my career, I started with, uh, as an application programmer. Uh, but then uh, became an accidental DBA. And then, uh, you know, uh, once I came across uh, the whole data warehousing space, I just fell in love and continued to be in that for, for you know, as long as, long as I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you guys will be two great guests. Uh, for those who don't know, Armand Petrosian, CEO, co CEO and co-founder with Satish here at Coalesce. Uh, so why don't we get started? As people hop in, if you want to ask any questions, it doesn't, you don't need to wait. Just feel free to shoot it in the comments. Uh, Felipe, there's been so much that has changed within the Snowflake ecosystem just over the past three years that you mentioned you've been there. Um, you know, we're obviously very close with Kent Graziano. I think you overlapped slightly while you were there in somewhat of similar roles around evangelism and being an advocate for the data cloud. Can you just quickly talk through what attracted you most to Snowflake in the first place? Um, yeah. So one thing I'm hearing from both of you is that you both have backgrounds on the data warehousing world. Correct. And uh, for me, I, I didn't. I joined Snow. Uh, when I joined Google, I joined Google as a software engineer. So Got suddenly it. I'm there and it's a completely different world than what the rest of the world knows, uses, and Google starts producing this magical technology that permits, it's a basics for a lot of what the world has built, at least in data. Uh, and there we have BigQuery, which is really cool for analyzing uh, large data sets. A lot of people were looking at BigQuery as, oh, this is different. Yeah. But then in my Google world, I start hearing a lot more about Snowflake. Again, that's a surprise for everyone. Where did Snowflake come from? Why do we have all these huge players that uh, should be the dominant technology? Uh, but suddenly more and more people hear about Snowflake fitting uh, on the BigQuery world. Why is this? new thing becoming something. And what's interesting for customers of Snowflake is that Snowflake also has roots on the data warehousing world. Right. So 
instead of being this completely new thing, is the new thing that understands where Satish and Armon and everyone that has been solving data problems have been. But it's like, let me offer you something that scales as much as it needs to scale, but it understands what you need to do. It comes from the world you come and I hear more and more about Snowflake. Uh, I, um, then Snowflake gets something that I loved about BigQuery that I didn't see in others, which mm -hmm. is the time called the data marketplace. Mm -hmm. This is a place where you can find public data. This is a, a place where you can find uh, printing data. And I'm like, yes, there is a marketplace of data here. So when the time came to leave Google, I was not interested in anything but Snowflake. This is where everyone is moving. This is the cool one. <laughs> My people that love the query are telling me I love Snowflake too. And I saw there something that I could leverage, which is public data sets. I love that. I love the, but yeah, that's how I end up at Snowflake. We can go into more details, but yeah. yeah. That's a good background. I wasn't aware of that. I didn't realize that you had traditionally been a software engineer prior. And so it, less so probably what was less attracting or first attractive to you about Snowflake wasn't the data warehousing aspects. It was more so the fully encompassing holistic view of what we call the data cloud now. So with that background, I think it, it gives me some more to work with, which I'm excited about. And obviously, you know, over the past year, it's been a really big year for data, but I think what's taken everybody's awareness by storm has been the introduction of large language models, chat GPT, obviously Snowflake's done a lot to quickly push into that segment uh, with things like Cortex, which we'll talk about later. But <clears throat> when we think about looking back a year ago, say, you know, we were at uh, the last year's summit to now, did you see this coming, Felipe? Did you see that there was the potential for something as disruptive as like OpenAI and ChatGPT? Or did this surprise you and catch you off guard? Honestly, tell me the truth. Um, well, M's are amazing. Uh, so last year, about this time, we all started playing with them. And the thing is, I don't know if I saw it or I didn't see it. Um, it's just everything is so different now. Yeah. Nothing else got taken as LLMs are everywhere. I spend time talking to them almost every day. Mm -hmm. uh, I use them for my life. I use them for everything. Um, and it's funny because at the same time, it's not so different to what we had before, which is we have experts that we can talk to. Uh, we can ask them questions. They can help us. Um, we always had that. Yeah. Uh, and also experts are wrong, which LLMs are wrong too. So it's not only about having an expert that can give you good advice. It's the availability of it. Yeah, I have a question and I have someone that can answer it now for free and understands so many things. But, but yeah, um, 
they are unavoidable. This is going to change everything. No one knows how much things are going to change. Yeah. We are in the middle of it. But how do you, you mentioned you use it for everything, or you use it all the time. How, like, give me a couple examples of things that people wouldn't traditionally think of that Felipe is using a LLM for. <laughs> like, to send a text message back to Alex or. Uh, do you use it to write your emails? Like what, what are some unconventional ways that you find yourself using an LLM? So I use them one as a source of expertise. Um, like I have an expert on any topic and I can ask them questions. Uh, I have not automated many things because I still trust them half of the time. 50% of what they say is true, 50% not. And you need someone to judge if they are doing it correctly or no, 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 you got this wrong. Let me tell, uh, try again. Got it. Um, but using them from entertainment to, for example, Snowflake now has snow park that has data frames that look a lot like Spark. And that's great for anyone that has used Spark. But if I want to use them, I have to learn Spark. And I never was never interested in learning it. So I can go to an LLM and tell them, hey, write me this SQL query as at using Spark. Mm -hmm. Because the, uh, the Snow Park in this sense looks so similar to Spark. Well, they can help me start writing things in ways I couldn't. Or sometimes I'm wondering how like how to do something efficiently and I can have a conversation about what is efficient, what is not. Right. Also for my personal life, uh, this year I lost like 40 pounds. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. And I did it using data. Like <laughs> I think calories. I post about this, Felipe. Did you yes. yes. Okay. I seen this. Yes, 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 yes. That's amazing. So, so what was the secret sauce? You said you mentioned you use data. I'm sure yeah. ChatGPT didn't work out your legs for you on leg day. So, what was the uh, what was your advantage that you use data for? Yeah. So the the basic of losing weight for me was I'm going to start counting calories. I'm going to uh, measure uh, measure my weight every day. I count mm -hmm. the calories that I'm eating. I'm using my watch to track how many calories I'm burning. But then Every day I have so many questions. There are so many mysterious things about this. Who do I ask every day about how much calories is this thing? How is it okay to go up or down? Should I, what's the formula? That's awesome. ChatGPT was there for me along the way. In part two, because uh, sometimes ChatGPT gets things wrong. Then I ask part, then I try to see who got the thing more wrong or less wrong. Who do I trust? But yeah, having this nutritionist right by me uh, was amazing. <laughs> That's really cool. I have to ask, what were you doing for exercise? I'm sure it's in your blog post, but I'm just curious. Uh, on top of counting calories, weighing yourself every day, getting informed on, I'm sure, diets and, and different types of foods, what were you doing for exercise? Or what are you still doing for exercise? Yeah, so I like this basic point of losing weight is not about exercise. It doesn't matter how much exercise you do. It's there you go. Eat below your budget. I like that. 
Yeah. You're going to burn this number of calories today. You have to eat less than that. So true. It doesn't matter how much exercise you do because. <laughs> but, so are you uh, are you saying you didn't do any exercise? You literally <laughs> just ate less. No, I'm I'm saying that to lose weight, I had to eat less than the budget. I see. Of course. Uh, now, what happens if I want a larger budget? You got to exercise. I got to exercise. If I exercise, then I can eat more. So, but then exercise is not about losing weight. Exercise is about, I want to eat more. I want a larger budget. Right. But I still need to eat less than the budget. Right. And that's where exercise becomes fun because just walking, that's so much. Yeah. Uh, about if you want to increase the budget. But then... When you care about exercise, also you should not lose muscle, and that's when you start bringing resistance because oh, muscle is important too. But yeah. those are questions that I kept asking to JGPT, going further down into what should I do for this? Is it working enough? Whatever. But losing weight is all about uh, eating less of the budget. You want to eat more, we can increase your budget. You want to be healthy overall. Okay, ex add uh, strength exercises. Yep. Yeah, I I remember I've gone through a similar uh, similar phase in my life, wanting to focus on fitness. And I remember reading a blog about somebody who ate only Twinkies uh, just to prove that you can lose weight eating whatever you want as long as you eat less calories than your body burns. And did it for a month or something where they ate literally only Twinkies every day. Uh, but still were able to lose like 15 or 20 pounds because they were still below their budget, like you said. So that was not what I was expecting when I asked you unconventional use cases for LLMs, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, just to bring it back to topic, yes. this is so similar to when people ask a question that everyone has, cloud scalable systems is, how do I keep costs down? Right. I need to keep eating. Like, yes. Do you want to uh, spend zero on a snowflake? Just stop using it. It's so easy. <laughs> Do you want to lose weight? Just stop eating. Oh, easily. But no, I I eat because it brings a lot of benefits to me. I stay alive. Yeah. I still need to be aware of the budget. And then when I have a budget, I start making choices. Do I want to eat the cookie? Or do I want to have a beer? Do I want to have more? It's all about how do I focus my choices? How do I use that budget to remind me that uh, right. I, don't I cannot spend unlimited? And if I want to spend more, oh, I just need to use it. <laughs> well, I'm spending more, but am I using it in a smart way? Perfect. Topic. Uh, Satish, two quick ones for you. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever asked you. One, did you see it coming, LLMs? Two, I will admit, I, I don't use... ChatGPT or LLMs as often as I probably should. I'm still getting used to it. Uh, you two are, are much smarter than me. So I'm curious, have you used it for any unconventional use cases similar to Felipe? So did you see it coming? Anything come to mind there? So, I mean, I see it coming. Um, it, it definitely surprised me of the quality. Um, yeah. But, but the natural language processing problem itself has been around for a long time. So right. it's like saying we knew cell phones prior to iPhone. That's true. Yeah. But then iPhone came, it was like, wow, this is awesome. 
right? Yeah. It's a similar feeling that I got. So, so it was, people have been saying it's possible, it's possible, it's possible, but we just never seen, it was a huge bump in terms of how systems could understand natural language and process them. So that, that's how I felt it. It was somewhat shocking, but also not, not yeah. too surprising. Uh, as far as using LLMs uh, or ChatGPT for that matter, I kind of use it every day, uh, yeah. pretty much. Um, not extensively, but you know, for for the similarities, not as uh, um, you know the way that Felipe used, but you know, <laughs> having an expert on something that can give you aggregate all the information pretty nicely. Yeah, because with Google you can do it, but it'll take a long time after you have to click a dozen links before you kind of summarize that information. Uh, I use it for, let's say, you know, when we create job descriptions. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, yeah, job descriptions is a great one because it'll give me a head start. Like I say, hey, you're a hiring manager of a SaaS company and you're <laughs> looking for this, 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 and here is like, give me the requirements, give me the qualifications, and boom, boom, boom. Like two minutes later, I have a job description to start working with. Uh, sometimes I use it for emails. Um, basically, the way I do it is I write my own email. I put it, rewrite this, and and then I go and tinker with it and kind of adjust to my tone and my, uh, you know, if I'm traveling, I say, hey, I'm going on this for three days. Give me an itinerary. Give me the spots that I want to check out and things like that. So, pretty, you know, That's common cool. things. But I I like it. I'll, I like you know. In fact, there are other tools that are coming based on this. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a company called perplexity.ai. Mm -hmm. Some uh, marketing right now, but it's a pretty cool Google-like interface. But mm -hmm. it it is it is doing the same thing, but it's in a, in a nicer way. Nice, so, like it just a more user-friendly experience. Yeah, it's just one text box. There's nothing else. Just like Google, um, you type in your question, and it'll give you all that information just like how chat gpt it's using it's using the llms behind the scenes cool i love it i uh, didn't think about using it for certain times you travel maybe felipe you can use that when you go to japan or asia where should i go when i'm in this city um, oh, yeah. i use it i went to the I, I landed in arizona i went to the great grand canyon and i asked chat gpt a couple months ago it's like give for these three days, when I land at this time and I leave at this time, give me a hour by hour schedule of what I should do. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, okay. Well, bringing it back to data, obviously this is all around the best of 2023. So looking back, I realized this is our last coffee with Coalesce for the year. So Felipe, we uh, must have saved best for last. Um, <clears throat> I'm just curious, you know, obviously we talked a lot about LLMs here, but thinking back from uh, what you've been at recently at the build conferences with Snowflake, were, were there any specific announcements that you were most excited about or the audience was most excited about? Could be LLM related or could be irrelevant. So we have two kinds of announcements at Snowflake. I love both, but I love one more than the other. Okay. Uh, one are the announcements of what we are building. Those are, and this will be soon in private preview, and it's full of exciting things that are going to happen in the future. The other announcements that I love even more is when we announced 
hey, and now this is in public preview. <laughs> oh, now this is in GA. And that means uh, not only that I can play with it, I used, many times I have access to private previews, but public preview means that anyone can work with it. Uh, public preview means that now we, we got GA means everyone can put it in production. Um, that makes a world of difference. Um, there's so much happening at all these levels. Uh, but what comes first to mind, like more than recent, but just thinking of 2023, mm -hmm. is dynamic tables. Uh, yeah. The ability to describe what I want and Snowflake take care of once that arrives streaming or bats. This is how it moves all around the Snowflake without an external orchestration. It's just, it's going to happen. I'm telling Snowflake, this is what I want. Snowflake takes care of it. Yeah. Uh, playing now with dynamic tables is amazing. Yeah, that's um, a big release. We, we were really excited about that here too. And we saw that private preview just going through that whole journey. And it was an exciting evolution. It makes things a lot easier. So. That was, I want to say that was announced at pre, even pre-summit, but it became private preview probably right around that time frame. So was there anything else? If we go back from prior to build, thinking back at summit in June, was there anything else besides dynamic tables that left you with a similar feeling? Maybe not as exciting, but, but mm -hmm. some of the things that you were, you were pumped about. Yeah. So. I, I always have to keep a mental map of what's private preview, what won't. <laughs> it's all about... Don't get in trouble, Felipe. Let me ask that GPT. But <laughs> a new one um, that I'm playing now with too is um, Streamlit in yes. Snowflake. That's also huge. That's also thing. How we integrate things, um, we give people the ability of you want to share this table and you want to give a toolbox it's not only a dashboard but you can give anything to your users in your company to make them able to access the data manipulate it and do stuff uh, oh I can, I can just write five lines of python and snowflake itself will take care of its the data security around it making all the connections hosting it running it yeah just amazing it, it is cool. Satish, I know you've been interacting with Streamlit a little bit more recently. We, we did a webinar, I want to say last month, with Coalesce and Streamlit that was really well attended out in Australia and New Zealand. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective now, interacting with it more, any anything to share on that front that you've experienced? Yeah, um, you know, they're pretty exciting, but I also have a question for on that. Okay, you go first then. Yeah, so um, regarding this streamlit applications, now, you know, you can, some of the applications that I've seen where you just built, just like how I said earlier, just a search box, like a, just, a, you know, five lines of code, you have some way to prompt something, and then you can run like a powerful LLM behind the scenes, and you're interacting and all of that. My question to you, Felipe, is, in the future, are we looking at 
replacing the entire like dashboards, the concept of, you know, all these dashboards and stuff and just build streamlit apps, you know, by whatever function or department, how, how is, how do you envision that uh, in the future? Is, is that what's going to happen? <laughs> um... Again, I'm not the futurist, but I love the question. I think about it. Um, yeah. The thing about Streamlit in Snowflake right now is that it gives you this whole freedom. Um, but I still need to write my five lines of Python or my 20 lines of Python. And I know that in many places that doesn't work. And there are smart people that say, you know what? I don't want people to write Python. Right. I want people to use a GUI. Um, I want to enable. I know people that have founded companies around that. Of <laughs> how do I make this <laughs> more accessible? But at least Snowflake here is providing the place to run these things. Right. If yeah. A lot of people will not want to write Python, but we can have tools that write Python and that make that part easy. But the fact that we have these main blocks in Snowflake that allow, uh, let's say, QuadS, write the interactive visual part, that's amazing because we're giving you the place to run everything and host it securely without having to care right. about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so, teach anything to add on that with interactions that you've had with Streamlit? I know we were we were playing around with it recently. <clears throat> what your experience was like, or what you see as an opportunity there? Yeah, I mean, obviously. So, it is it, first of all, it, it is a it is a fantastic uh, you know function uh, feature uh, to be able to build interfaces very quickly and ability to run a powerful engine in the in the backend. I mean, we are even like, you know, for example, we can take our metadata, some of the run metadata that we collect and build a Streamlit app and have customer, our customers, you know, kind of use uh, that Streamlit app to interact with the metadata, understand what was run, what are the jobs, all of those things. And it's pretty easy to build all of that so for someone who knows how to write Python, of course. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, so I'm excited about that, you know, that that opportunity. Yeah, I'm excited to see how the how Streamlit gets leveraged more in the ecosystem in general. I think we're just at the beginning, so it's been awesome to to see the potential. Um, Felipe, we had Bob Mugli on a few months back, and one of the things we talked about, you brought up Python a bunch. One of the things we talked about was SQL. You haven't mentioned SQL, at least I don't think I've heard you mention SQL yet. Today. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a software engineer, traditionally, now turned data cloud advocate, you obviously got a very holistic view of so many things that are possible on Snowflake. What are your thoughts on SQL? Do you think it's going to die? We, we don't think so, but do you think it is going to die at any point? What's the future of SQL? Oh, we always come back to SQL. I love SQL. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, where do you put your comma in SQL? <laughs> in front. <laughs> no, <I'm okay. laughs> I like my living commas and I have a whole rant about it. <laughs> yes. Um, I love SQL. I built my career around it. Love it. It's... 
people are switching to natural language now. Brazil, uh, SQL has a beauty of describing exactly what you want, how you want it, and then you let the system figure out how to solve the problem. Right. But my ability to say, this is what I want. This is why I want to aggregate it. These are the rules and the exact result that I want. That's amazing. Um, as a side note, when I was in college, in my database class, in my midterms of databases, it was all about SQL, and I failed it. I mm -hmm. promised to myself, I'm not going to be a DBA in my future. I'm not going to work with SQL. <laughs> and that's how you know what kind of visionary I am. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you thought you'd do ended up being hey. Exactly. That, that is the thing that made me famous. But it happens so much. I love this meme that shows like the beginner programmer saying, oh, I love SQL. Then the programmer becomes smarter. They're like, oh, no, SQL is beyond me. It's such a tool for neophytes. I want to do things it's a complex way look oh, yeah, at like bug. sql almost they scoff at it like that's too easy or that's too it's definitely not easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm going to build a career with sql like I, that's for my analyst i'll do the found complicated stuff but then the the meme ends on oh what do you sql once you become this eliminated thing, person yeah. that's like oh, that solves my problems all along um in a beautiful way Yep. That's awesome. I, I, I see that journey. We've seen that journey numerous times, people going kind of against it and then trying some other languages, but then always coming back to it. So, so we feel like it's here to stay for a very long time, at least. Uh, yes. And I'm glad to hear you love SQL. Sounds like you, you are passionate about it too. Um, <clears throat> one thing I, I've been curious about too, I, you know, just thinking about the, changes that are happening right now in the industry. And we, we touched on a little bit, like Satish was asking about Streamlit potentially taking the place of, you know, dashboarding, for example, with use cases. Um, with LLMs, do you see a certain part of the analytics workflow being disrupted m most immediately? Is there a certain segment of it that you feel like, oh, you know, this piece of the workflow is now obsolete or is outdated? Um, I want to refer to there's this company observability platform that has SQL-like capabilities. They're an observability platform. They collect a lot of data. They have their own language to let people run queries. And they created a copilot for themselves and they tested it in production and they wrote a great blog post about how people are using it. Nice. What they figure out in their experiment is that people that ended up using this copilot was from all their users, the users that were the most ex had the most expertise in the tool were the ones that use it the most. Mm. And so that's interesting. This is even though we want this to help our new users, right. the experts that can leverage it. Mm. And then the big use case for them was figuring things out at first. Like, create templates for me. 
Right. Teach me how do I write this. But from then on, um, they kept using the templates and modifying the templates itself instead of going back every time to generate things from zero. Uh, and that's why I, I like having my LLMs as my assistants. If they are helping me, they're teaching me how to do things. But now from then on, I can take the template because also it becomes tiring correcting. Uh, right. Like, I don't know, I want this. No, no I want this. For example, uh, generate me a website. I don't need to learn how to create a website with the latest uh, web technologies. I can just ask for it to make me a template. I can ask it to create, change it until it looks something like what I want. From then on, I can edit the HTML. I can see where it made the decisions and I can improve it myself. But I love this view based on their experiments of, yeah, we're helping the experts, people that know what they want and know when things are wrong, but we're helping them accelerate the boring part and then they can keep improving and using the templates from now on. That's what they did. Like, again, it's not the vision, but right. oh, this is how they ended up using it. That's cool. So, so basically, it's a it was a force multiplier or amplified the expertise depending on the skill set. But the people who had the most value were the ones who were already experts in that yes. product. So it, it, yeah, you would think intuitively, you would think that it would be helping people who are beginners just trying to get learn how to use it. But it, it does go hand in hand. You kind of need to get the experience to then leverage it as effectively as possible. Yeah, you will always need, as far as I know, uh, someone being able to tell your assistant, your LLM, or the person you hire is, no, that's wrong. Right. You can hire the smartest person in the world. You still need to tell them, wait, 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 that's wrong. Um, do, you, do you feel the same way about, about automating SQL writing and, and le leveraging generative AI? Like, do, is that how you feel about when people were to go and try to build a, a, let's say a data warehouse or go through building out a use case that the same, the same philosophy applies, Felipe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially because they get things wrong. So how can you tell that they are wrong or not? How can you send them back to the drawing board if right. they're just accepting it to um, I love examples from photography. Like I love generating pictures with, right. <laughs> I do it for my blog posts. I do it for my own entertainment. Uh, I don't know how to draw, but I can tell it what I want. But the more you know about drawing, the better instructions you can give it of what you want. Right. Uh, as a, as a, if you want a, if you are a photographer, uh, you can tell it very precisely what you want, what angle, how to the changes, and yeah, it, it amplifies your knowledge. It amplifies your capacity of asking for things. Satish, anything to add there? Anything? I mean, I I can't agree more on that. So that's how I have always been. Uh, 
you know, kind of evaluating these things. Uh, it's never going to, I think, I shouldn't say never, never, but uh, at least in the foreseeable feature, uh, future, I don't see them as just replacing everything, but they are boosting the productivity of, you know, experts, as you said, you know, if, if you have to rely on two juniors, for example, let's say to get your work done now, you can probably just need one person or something and then use the productivity that you get out of these systems uh, to improve your to improve your work and also learn because it's 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 so quick they'll tell you um, what you're looking for and then you have a head start on whatever you're trying to do. Do you, yeah. do, you do you guys since that's the case I, I I still feel like there is people are still trying to understand all this right like we're still in the middle of it like you said earlier Felipe like. Do you feel that at this point in time, society has the right impression of the way that Gen AI will impact day-to-day -day lives or is it inflated? Are we still kind of going through the hype curve, if you would call it, or, or do you feel uh, like- Yes, yeah. that's a future question, but I would say we have no idea how these things are going to be in one year. Like, yeah, um, we're in the middle of it. It's impressive. We also be, are disappointed by them every day. We start using them. Then we are like, oh, I know how right. are doing. But the rate of, of how they improve, how they compete, how everyone is cooperating, then it's just changing everything in ways we cannot forecast. And that's fine. I yeah. love the Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger answer to this is, Charlie Munger uh, just passed away. But th their answer this year at their conference was, uh, I don't know how the world is going to be. It's for 90 years, I've seen so many changes. But I don't know how the world is going to be, but I know people are going to keep wanting the same things. Hmm. <laughs> like, and that will keep me the driver. We have people and we have the same needs. We have the same ones. It's just we enable them in different ways. Yeah. What about what about looking forward? I know it's hard to predict the future. Is there anything that you do look most forward to in 2024 that's coming? Either of you? Tatish, mm. you want to? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes back to this whole AGI or a, you know uh, generative intelligence. Um, I'm I'm really excited about that. Uh, to be honest, um, you know, you find the right use case, then you will have a better uh, result. So I, I'm looking forward to incorporating more of that into our own technology. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, what we're doing. So I'm really really excited about that. So whether it's we use LLMs for, you know, not just generating SQL, maybe it looks at data and then gives you insights, uh, but in a way that it's transparent. Right. That's, that's the key. A lot of times we always felt like we didn't have enough transparency in the past. Now we're making it worse by adding a black box in a way, right? Because it's going to do something and you have no idea if it's just right or wrong. Yeah. So the challenge is, how do you incorporate this technology, but not go backwards in terms of transparency and governance? Mm -hmm. 
keep that as well. That's going to be the challenge. But I'm really, really excited to incorporate more of that uh, technology into our into our own. It, it feels so experimental, right? Like a lot of it, I, you've talked about this in the past on previous shows around the importance of transparency. And I, I, I feel the same way. It would, be, it, it would be critical for us to understand how you get to the conclusion anytime you're interacting with some type of LLM. But it still feels experimental. Like you, most of your excitement is around those experiments in 2024 and seeing and trying to find what use cases will have the biggest impact. Felipe, what are your thoughts? What are you most excited for? Is it similar or do you have other? Let me reframe the question because this is always, uh, this is a conflict I have every day at work. Okay. Especially because when I sit here with founders of a company, of course you live in the future. You see a future and you think of how you're going to change everything. And any vision that you have is not about what we are going to produce in the last, in the next two months, but where are we taking people? In my world as a developer advocate, I'm talking to developers. Right. And so uh, at Snowflake, I live between this world, especially when I see it with uh, marketing and everyone is thinking, this is the shiny new thing that we are going to announce. This is what we have announced. Let's talk about this. Let's double down on this shiny new thing. But I need to give my developers things that uh, they can do today. So I, I'm not thinking about, even though I'm seeing all the future on this hand, right. I'm still worried about how I'm going to bring the things that we have built on the last three years mm. to them. This is my future, like they're still missing out on so many things that have been GA for long that can improve their lives. So, um, and just thinking about that, uh, but something that I'm celebrating this week is Snowflake made it to the top 10 databases of DB engines. Nice. That's an incredible accomplishment. Like we, how it went from nowhere. Right. Or even the place 200 three years ago to now being the top 10. And, being so pervasive everywhere. Like I'm sure you see Snowflake everywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, and I go to a data conference and there's no data conference that that's not thinking about Snowflake. Yep. Even for, even when we go to a competitor that has no Snowflake booth, everyone is thinking about Snowflake. So that's pretty cool. But then I go to other conferences, more developer, normal developer oriented. So many people have no idea what Snowflake is. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is crazy. We have had that same experience going to different conferences as a vendor. And it's been eye-opening to be at one of those where, let's say, 80% of the audience is still living on premise. And I hear the question like, what's Snowflake? And I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm like you got to be kidding me. You got to be joking. But then you think about the market. I mean, especially if you think about the global market. It, it lags behind typically than North America. And so there are so many workloads, the vast majority of workloads still living on premise, people who haven't even started thinking about the cloud yet. And so you, you, if you, Felipe, you go to some of these shows, like what is that like for you being on the inside of Snowflake? <laughs> and maybe, 
maybe, that, maybe. maybe that's what you're most excited for for 2024 seeing you go from 10 you know top 10 to top three and then top one over the course of the next several years exactly so my job is there like how do i bring snowflake to people that have no idea that snowflake exists how 2024 is it yeah 2020 2021, 2022, 2023 has been the year of Snowflake. So many people are missing out on why Snowflake made it to number 10 and why it had deserved this place and, and how Snowflake is way beyond of what it was in 2020. And it's this place, it's more of a platform where people are building and they... But yeah. Uh, that's what keeps me excited. It's like yeah. <laughs> I need to keep talking to people that want the latest of Snowflake, but I also need to keep talking to people that have no idea what What's they're missing in the first place. Yes. <laughs> what a job! Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it is important to remember. You know, Snowflake was. I just looked it up. I forget if it was 2011 or 2012. It's 2012, but they were just founded. I mean. 11 years ago, it's not that much time, the grand scheme of things. And so getting into the top 10, you know, I would have thought Snowflake was already there just because we live and breathe every day in this ecosystem, solely in this ecosystem. And so it's our lives. But when you take a step out of it, like you said, it can be a bit eye-opening to see that there's still a lot of people out there that, that haven't even really started thinking about the cloud yet, that haven't had that exposure. And so... We're excited about that growth. Very excited about that growth. Um, yeah, and you, you chose Snowflake. Like, yeah, and you mentioned it's founded in 2012, but that was yeah. no one heard about Snowflake until 2015, 2016. That's when it, it the product. Yep. In even less time. And then you decided to found a company that works with Snowflake. So you need Snowflake to be in this place and you need to have the vision early enough. Yeah. how many years ago to say yeah this is the one that's going to grow this is the one people are going to choose and well satish and i we cheated because we were working with snowflake as early as 2016 so we had a, a first class seat into the growth right from the beginnings when they were about maybe somewhere between 150 to 200 employees so Going through that experience, especially knowing people like Kent who are very early into the business, gave us an advantage to get that exposure, I would say earlier than most. But like you said too, there's still so much so much growth in the future. And so we, uh, we had talked about doing something like this for a long, long time and are excited about where things are headed. We wanna help support your mission, Felipe, and help everybody know what Snowflake is and get it up further in the DB engines ranking. So yeah. But yeah, I admire that vision that you had and the capability of saying this is where things are going. It's so early. Like who would yeah. have known? Um you knew. So, yes. That's amazing. Partly luck, partly relationships. You know how this works. Uh, and yeah. then partly vision. Most of that's coming from Satish, not me. Uh, but I know we got just a few minutes left before we wrap things up. Is there any last thoughts you want to leave the audience with, Felipe, just around Snowflake or anything else that comes to mind before we... Because we have some friends and we are live. I would love to see what questions they have. Uh... Yeah, if anybody's got any questions, hit the comments. Now is the best time. It usually takes a, a, a minute or two before 
uh, it catches up for the audience. So just keep in mind of that. Um, my, my question to you, since we're talking about what's new in Snowflake, and this is especially relevant to everyone that wants to leverage the platform that Snowflake has built, how yeah. do you see uh, native apps oh, and being able to run? That's a good one. You're turning the tables back to us now. You're asking us the question. Uh, we were actually just at reInvent and native apps got brought up. We're excited about it. We've got some plans there. I don't know, Satish, if our lawyers are going to get mad at us if we share this, but uh, why don't you why don't you <laughs> answer Felipe's piece on what your thoughts are there and how we see uh, our company leaning into native apps? Yeah, um, we, we are super excited about that feature as well. Uh, it, primarily because it makes it so much easier for an app to be part of the ecosystem of Snowflake ecosystem and without having to worry about security or governance or you know any of those aspects. So um, having said that, I, I, I believe, I don't know if it's a public or private preview again. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> but let's play safe and let's say private preview. I can check, but it will be. It will be. So, it is happening. <laughs> yeah, we are we're pretty used to that. So, um, but but I'm again. I'm super excited. Once you know that becomes a uh, like GA and ready to go, uh, you know we we might be looking into how we can put our some of our. Uh, parts of application or maybe the entire application on it, uh, just to make it much, much easier for anybody who wants to use Call as a no-brainer because it's just yeah. there in the ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. I think even in the near term, Felipe, we've got some plans that I won't spoil or share right now, but some easy low-hanging fruit use cases that are really exciting for our customers to leverage native apps that should be released hopefully soon. Uh, like pretty soon. And so be like, stay tuned for that. We're, we're excited about it. And talking to the partner marketing team at Snowflake, they were pumped to hear it too. I think it's a big push right now to get into native apps at Snowflake, especially for the partners. And so we're excited to support. And ultimately, it's the right thing for our customers too. So there's yeah. some sweet use cases there. Nice. Uh, that's so exciting. And again, it's uh, offering like, how do we grow together? My, the story that this is top of mind from yesterday. So 2021, I joined Snowflake. It has its IPO. When, so 2020 is when I joined Snowflake and we have the IPO. Uh, 2021, uh, when there was so much money around, there were so many new Snowflake competitors. We are the next Snowflake. Uh, and I remember one that had like the signs on the 101, the billboard that said, yeah, it's slow. We are better. Uh, then in 2023, they have this billboard that's like, "Oh, you just left Snowflake behind you." Like you, uh, I saw, I've seen those too. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, yesterday their announcement was, "We are building a native app for Snowflake." What? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so. It's, <laughs> becoming this place I, I i'm pretty sure i know the exact company you're talking about we won't we won't share 
Um, I just got word on Slack that apparently either StreamYard or LinkedIn isn't populating the comments, even for some of the private ones, uh, which is sad. So maybe what we can do is uh, we can look back at the comments after this and answer them uh, for the audience since we weren't able to see it on the screen. But I had a really great time with you, Felipe. This is an awesome conversation. I, I learned a few things about you. I learned uh, about your exercise routine. I learned how you leverage ChatGPT. I learned what your mission is at Snowflake, what your background is. So this was super informative for myself. I hope it was for everybody that was tuning in today. It's been an absolute pleasure. We were looking forward to this. And what a way to end the year with our last Coffee with Coalesce having you on. So... Thank you, Felipe. Thank you, Tish, for being here and talking through this all. Um, Yeah, we appreciate you. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Next year. (laughs) Next year. We'll see you next year. Bye.